welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. What is up, sports fans? Welcome back to another episode, Championship Edition of the AD's office. He's Alex. I'm Devin. Office hours officially open for Championship Weekend. Yeah, just two games to talk about this week, and there was an identity crisis in both games. Uh, one on the negative side, one on the positive side. But ultimately, uh, Devin, we are both sad. This was not the outcome we wanted as personal fans. Yeah, I. there's a lot of discussion out there right now about how the whole nation wanted the Ravens to win, and I honestly wanted the Chiefs to win. Um, we all know who I wanted to win the other game. No, No one is listening to this and doesn't know who I wanted to win the other game. Devin is but a just, Lions fan. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. But I do, I still love Mahomes, and I, I pull for him a lot. He was my guy, you know, coming out of the draft way back when. But on the flip side, yeah, we get kind of tired of dynasties, and the Chiefs officially are one. It's a dynasty. There's no question, what is it, five Super Bowls in six years, five Super Bowl appearances in six years? Four. But this is their fourth appearance in six years. Um and apparently the whole six straight AFC championships and five of them being at Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. The Arrowhead part apparently doesn't matter because they can't lose. Yep. And after this weekend, I, I'm i not actually convinced that the better team won either game. Agreed. Totally. The more experienced team won in both cases. That is also very true. And when it comes to playoffs, and I I think it goes beyond players, because obviously the Niners are starting Brock Purdy at quarterback, and he has no playoff experience. A little bit last year, but also ended with injury. A game and a half. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. But really a relatively new experience for Purdy versus the other side. You have Mahomes with the Chiefs. Tons of playoff experience but it's also the coaching staff it's honestly the training staff it's everybody in that building that knows what it's like to approach a do or die situation and the more experienced teams figured out how to get the job done I think the identity crisis that is the most shocking was the Ravens absolutely abandoning what got them to the championship game agreed the Ravens were projected to win, or I guess Vegas favored, by four and a half points. That's more than just home field advantage. That was an actual favored team over Mahomes and the Chiefs. Right. Definitely. And yet the Ravens just kind of showed up like it was a preseason game. They didn't look like the Ravens at all. They dropped back 82% of the time in this game after all season, leading the league in rushing attempts. Yeah, you're you're absolutely nail on the head right now. It's like, it's what got you there. And we know that to a certain extent, you know, Todd Monken, the very vaunted new offensive coordinator in Baltimore, he kind of unlocked Lamar as a passer this season. He was a lot better in that fashion. He was more efficient at the minimum. But man, you, you've got this awesome run game. Let's stick to it a little bit. Yeah, and prior to this game, the Ravens handed the ball off to a running back. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins was their running back number one going into the season, out with the season-ending injury. But 
they handed off to a running back at least 15 times per game. That was their lowest total prior to the AFC Championship. In the game on Sunday, they handed it off to a running back six times. Less than ideal. It This can be said for both games, and I'm going to give credit where it's due to the original author. Is There's a guy named Kevin Clark on Twitter. His at is by by Kevin Clark. And he put it best by saying, you shouldn't abandon your football philosophy when it gets scary. That's how you end up being Brandon Staley. Oof. And that's that's what John Harbaugh and Todd Monken and company did. They abandoned what got them there. Come on. Yeah, and there's I really want to know how that game plan got drawn up. There were so many times watching the game where coverage downfield was excellent. And it looked like, at least from the broadcast, it looked like Lamar had a hole in the pocket where he could have scrambled for 10, 15 yards, no problem. And he didn't. I think that it was a classic case of overthinking and analysis paralysis. Absolutely could be. I'm curious, was it Lamar self-inflicted, like wanting to win by passing, wanting to prove to all the doubters, I can win this way? Or was that the coaching message all week of, hey, Stand in the pocket, find your guy. Stand in the pocket, find your guy. I mean, I'm certain that I'm certain that it was either one of two things. It was either the coaches overthinking it to try and say, let's throw off the defense, not give them what we're ex- what they're expecting. Mm-hmm. Or it's what you're saying, and it was someone trying to play hero ball, you know, and that's that almost never works. Right. And it's it's just weird to me because if Lamar's going to play hero ball, I, I agree, usually not the right move. But if he wants to play hero ball, the Lamar Jackson version of hero ball is not stand in the pocket and wait for the ghost of Odell Beckham to shake loose for an eight-yard gain. The Lamar Jackson hero ball is stiff arm the defender and take off on a sprint down the sideline where nobody is going to catch you. Right. And at the end of the day, whose legacy does this game hurt more? The guy who's already coached and won a Super Bowl in Jarn Harbaugh? Or Lamar, who has been actively touted as, well, is he in the top three quarterbacks? Is he better than Josh Allen? You know, can he really pull it off? Oh, he's going to be a two-time MVP winner now. Mm-hmm. It's him. Lamar's legacy got actively hurt by this game. And I know it's a cliche, and people talk about it with the NBA and people like LeBron James all the time. This was a legacy game. This was Agreed. Lamar's chance to put his stamp on the league and have everybody on notice to say, yeah, I'm him. I'm in this conversation. Pat Mahomes who? You didn't do it. Yep. So whether it was subconsciously that he wanted to prove doubters wrong or whether it was actively that he or the coaching staff or someone decided we have to stand there and pass the ball either case it was the wrong decision and everyone in the planet knew it that wasn't inside that room yep i 100 percent agree it it was a legacy game now it isn't the definitive end of legacy conversation for lamar Correct. The Ravens could run it back. I mean, they win a Super Bowl ever 
one Super Bowl ever with likely two MVPs to his name, and the legacy conversation completely shifts. Oh, for sure. And I think there is a justifiably included asterisk when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes. Someday we will look back and say, if Lamar gets one, gets at one ring, I think someday we will look back and say, yeah, and the ones he didn't get is because he played Mahomes, who very likely at that point will be the greatest of all time. Which I don't think that Lamar is the Peyton to Mahomes' Brady. Um, I think that that goes to, I don't know, a guy who's capable of beating the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, probably in Joe Burrow, maybe in Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, is Lamar Jackson really just like the Ben Roethlisberger? Like maybe he'll sneak one out, you know, like. Or Brandon Staley connection. Is he the Phillip Rivers? He, he could be. He certainly could be. Lots and lots of stats. Now, Lamar is a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers was always top 10 while he was in the league. Yep. Lamar is certainly higher than just number 10. He's like six at worst. Yeah. And at the end of the day, playoff wins is what we're going to remember. And Lamar has a losing playoff record. Mahomes does not. Right. And I, we're harping on Lamar a lot here, and I think that that's going to be the overarching theme when people talk about this game and mm-hmm. remember this game. But really, the defense was okay. They didn't look like the defense that we've seen for the Ravens all season. Yeah. You know, the, we've expected phenomenal linebacker play from them. And both Roquan Smith and Patrick Green had all right games. Tackling wasn't awesome. You know, they're expected to kind of be able to take care of Travis Kelsey, especially when through the last month of the regular season, Travis Kelsey was a non-factor. Granted, through this playoff cycle, Travis Kelsey has been amazing. But, you know, you're expected to take care of business, and Lamar is not the only person on the Ravens that fell short of that. Also agreed. And as, like, the final piece to the Lamar thought, I think we would give Lamar the overwhelming majority of the credit had the Ravens shredded the Chiefs like some people thought could happen. Part of it comes with the territory. As the quarterback especially, you get most of the credit when you win. You get most of the blame when you lose. A rookie, literal rookie mistake with the Ravens, though. Zay Flowers, who he had his moments in this game that you have to think he's a genuine wide receiver one and could be a top 10 receiver in the league. There were flashes of incredible potential. And then there were moments where you go, "Ah, yeah, he's a rookie. He was a majority of their offense. That's for sure. He, He had a good day. But overarchingly, this is going to be a rules conversation this offseason. I, for one, say keep it how it is because we already give the offense so much benefit of the doubt. Yep. But Zay Flowers, he fumbled at the one-yard line. It went into the end zone and then went out of the end zone, which, by rule, results in a touchback and the opposing team getting the ball, which that means that the Chiefs got the ball at the 20 or 25-yard line. That's a rookie mistake. Yep. That's bad. It is. And on that same drive, a couple plays before that was a huge gain for Zay Flowers, which then he negated by taunting the defender. Yeah, that we've grown accustomed to players from Baltimore 
being disciplined and not doing the exact things that Zay Flowers did multiple times. Yep. During this. Yep. Lack of discipline, and maybe it's a maturity thing. It's just inexperience. The kind of how we talked about the less experienced teams struggled when it all mattered. And Flowers followed up that fumble, went to the sideline, and smashed his hands against the bench and ended up cutting his hand open, which I'm sure affected his ability to catch the ball on subsequent drives. And it's those little things that just kind of slowly the Ravens beat themselves. Because the Chiefs did not score a point in the second half. No, they did not. It was 17-7 to at halftime. Final score was 17-10. to The second half was basically punts. So it's not like the Chiefs were lighting up the defense. The Ravens kind of beat themselves. Well, and credit to where it's due, you know, yes, we are in agreement. The Ravens shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Also, we've been on the record, you know, the receipts, they're out there on the internet in this podcast. This is the best defense the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era. That they played good, you know. Credit to where it's due. But yeah, the Ravens shot themselves on the foot like multiple times. Like you're probably missing all five toes on one foot. Yeah, no, it, you're hobbling. It kind of felt like it ended when there was I mean there were 7 minutes left in the game. It was not over, but it was a 10-point lead for the Chiefs and Lamar threw it deep to Isaiah Likely in triple coverage, and it was picked off. That really felt like the last that's, bit of air in the balloon. That's the one that was most frustrating for those of us cheering for Lamar, or I should maybe say those of you, since I've already admitted that I was pulling for the Chiefs a little bit. But for those of you cheering for Lamar and the Ravens, that was the one where it was like, okay, we're talking legacy here. We're talking about, are you going to be an all-time great quarterback? Are you an all? Are you a current great quarterback? And all of these discussions, you threw to your backup tight end, regardless that he is maybe the best backup tight end in the NFL. Sure, you threw to a backup player in triple coverage, with it being your essential last play to go to the Super Bowl, the first of your career. And it was second down. It wasn't like they needed. An end zone shot there. They were at the 25-yard line with Justin Tucker as your kicker. So from 25, that is an automatic field goal if you need it. And it was second down. Yeah, There's no reason to throw that ball. No, it was eerily similar to Josh Allen last week, also against the Chiefs. Yep. And Jordan Love against the 49ers last week. You guys all had chances to advance to the championship game or the championship game in the Super Bowl and you all three of you quarterbacks completely individually blew it I think sometimes the best quarterbacks the truly great they know when you have to take yourself out of the spotlight a little bit and just get the win it's not about you want it for the game it's about the team want it and sometimes That means Julian Edelman is Super Bowl MVP for the Patriots because Tom Brady said, I am not going to force it. We're going to give, we're going to take what the defense gives us and make it happen. Lamar, Josh Allen, similarly last week, looked like they wanted it to be about them. It was their moment, put their stamp on the game, and it backfired. 
And I mean, we don't know that for a fact that that's what they were going through and in their head, but right. It certainly looked that way. And that's how we are going to judge them. Eventually when we talk about them making the hall of fame or when we have a quarterback power ranking and things of that nature, these are the things that are going to determine if we think you're great or the best ever and things like that. And they, they let us down. Yep. Now the other identity crisis from the weekend was actually the other side of the coin. The lions all season long had an identity of taking the risks and playing through the odds, especially on fourth down. Ultimately, kind of ended up costing in the game. A little bit. I. This has been what the media's perception has been since the NFC Championship game on Sunday night, was that the decisions to go for it on fourth down cost them the game. I'm not going to lie. I pretty vehemently disagree with that take. Um to a, a pretty extensive end, even the lions went for it on fourth down twice in this game. Mm-hmm. One of them was a fourth and two. Um, and they end up not converting. They were trying to essentially put the dagger in the game. They were already up 24 to seven. I think at that point in time, and they really, they were trying to say, okay, we're going to make it 31 to seven before halftime. And that would have effectively ended the game. Right. They go for it on fourth and two instead of opting to kick a field goal. And Josh Reynolds, who has been somewhere between wide receiver two or three for the Lions all season, yep. drops the ball. How on earth is do we care about the decision when it was executed perfectly aside yep. from one player dropping it? No, it's valid. And it, it was 24-10. So you're up 14. Opportunity to go up. Instead of kicking the field goal, you try to go for the dagger kind of open the second half. It was the Lions' first drive of the second half. Gotcha. But it's uh, – you're right. If it succeeds and the Lions go score a touchdown there, we're all looking at this very differently. If it's a 31-10 to 10 game, all of the momentum in the first half was Detroit. They scored on the opening drive. San Francisco drove down, missed a field goal. Lions drove down, scored again. And they picked off Brock Purdy. He looked very shaky in the first half. Everything was saying Lions have this in the bag. I am not I'm not gonna act like it was shocking for Dan Campbell to call the offensive play there on fourth and two. I'm also going to agree with you that the alternative is you kick a field goal. It would have been I think it was like a 45, 46 yarder. It would have been a 47 yarder. I think they both would have ended up being a 47 yarder. So that first one, Here's where I think I go. I kick the field goal. You're up three scores if you make it. That changes a little bit of what the Niners can do in their comeback attempt. And not a great kicker. Yeah. So Michael Badgley is the Lions kicker. Let's let's just be honest here. Brad Holmes has been aggressively the best GM in football since he got that p- position. Conservatively top six or seven yeah he's Se- been amazing seems at to essentially have no everything mistakes. right except for finding a kicker which like the lions have... you don't want a kicker to be the linchpin ever 
So No, no, you definitely don't. But the Lions have gone back and forth between two individuals, Riley Patterson and Michael Badgley at kicker, for two seasons. They've had both of them on the roster essentially all of the last two or three years. Riley Patterson ends up getting cut in favor for Michael Badgley, claimed by the Jaguars, does awesome. Lions trade back for Riley Patterson, cut Michael Badgley. Riley Patterson sucks. They cut Riley Patterson. They re-sign Michael Badgley. That's literally what's happened the last three seasons for the Lions kickers. Michael Badgley is only like 60-some or 70-some percent from past 40 yards, and this was 47, which I think that he falls into the 64% from that category. Mm -hmm. From past 50, which 47 is pretty close to, which not literally, but from past 50... He's a whopping 30%. Well, and then the, on the flip side, the fourth and three odds for the Lions going for it, they've been really good this season. Yeah. They have converted 85% of their fourth and three or less. It's like people are crucifying Dan Campbell's decision to go for it here, saying, oh, take the points. The points were borderline less likely if you kick it like he has to make it and that is a pretty big question mark yeah it is the second time that they had the opportunity it was when they were actually down after letting the Niners get back in it was a 24 to 27 Lions score and it was fourth and three again on the I think the 30 yard line seven and a half minutes left in the game so I mean they had plenty of time but they're down three uh, you're absolutely right. Kicking it, it's about a 45% chance that you make it, probably an 85% chance that you can convert the first down. Right. But you, in that one, that second time, you that field goal ties the game. And that's why I agree with you on the second one, and I, I think he deserves some blame there. I, I disagreed with that one on Dan for sure. I don't hate it. Simply because the opposite of the Ravens. This is what got the Lions to the NFC Championship game. Yes. Dan Campbell has called an aggressive game plan all season long. The Lions have absolutely taken every opportunity to risk it when they had that chance. It got them there. You don't go away from it. I get it. And if it worked, we would all be saying, I love the aggressiveness. Dan Campbell is yeah. the man. The Lions are a gritty football team, and that works because they just want it more. And that's how it looked in the first half. The first half, things were working, and it looked like they wanted it more. Right. There's a little bit of credence to saying in the NFC Championship game. I'm not saying go away from who you are, Baltimore. That, that was a mistake. But Dan Campbell, Detroit, ease back a little bit because you're not the stakes are not the same. This is the right. this is the second biggest game in football. Yeah, I am I am right there with you. That second time, for me, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted him to ease back on who he is. We know that's Dan Campbell. Yeah, right. Like for sure. Like we've seen it on Hard Knocks. We see it in his press conferences. We see it. You know, in the the radio session he had following the Cowboys game where he told the radio announcers, 
Call it like you see it. If you want to say that I made the wrong choice, say it with your chest. Say it to my face. I get that. I'm not saying, Dan, forget who you are, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. Yep. But to me, it it wasn't even about like forgetting who you are in that instance. It was the Lions have no momentum at this point in the game. That. And Badgley isn't a good kicker. I get that. And I, the first time, I 100% was like, do not kick this ball. Yep. Put you, the dagger in there. You have the this momentum. You could put it away. Yeah. Which, again, Josh Reynolds literally dropped this, the Lombardi trophy. Like, it in many ways, he... Was, yeah. In it, many ways, the Lions are... We don't know this for a fact, but if he doesn't drop that ball... And he had another drop on a third down later in the game as well. He did, yeah. If he catches even one of those two, there's like a 99% chance that the Lions are playing in the Super Bowl on February 11th. And based on how the Chiefs played, and we have direct evidence of obviously week one is a long time ago, but we know this Lions roster can beat this Chiefs roster. Yes, and it... I would never guarantee a win in the Super Bowl or in the NFC Championship. You know, I right. I told people all week long, I'm going to give them Detroit about a 40% chance to win this game. I'm going to pick them to win because I think that they can come through on that 40% chance. Sure. But I think they have a good shot. And we even said on the pod last week, seven and a half points? Really? You think the Niners are that much better? I don't think that. That's and true. They proved it. Yeah. No, the Lions covered if you're... In it for the money, thirty four thirty one was closer than any Vegas book had it. But, you know, Josh Reynolds, he in many ways drops the Super Bowl. They effectively succeeded on that fourth down attempt. It's not the wrong decision if you're great at it and you essentially succeed. Yeah, now, I will say the second one, like we mentioned, that was the issue. You got no momentum right. and at that point in time, you go and you give the hype speech of your life to Michael Badgley, and you say, you make this kick, then I know that we will come through for you. We will get to the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. And you have no idea if that's true or not, but you hype him up so freaking much. And the momentum was all on the side of the Niners coming into the fourth quarter. They were storming back, and it wasn't... It wasn't that they were completely out of it at halftime. There have been some clips that have come out since the game on Sunday. George Kittle in particular, in his post-game, up on the podium, little moment with a microphone, he said, they had us in the first half, not going to lie. Kind of playing off that meme. Yeah. But audio clips have come out since the game. He actually went over to Brock Purdy before halftime. And said, I can't wait to stand up there at the end of this thing and say they had us in the first half, not going to lie. You know, I love the the cockiness and the persona that is George Kittle. Mm-hmm. The lion fan optimist in me totally also says, the Lions, des- I'm not going to say they deserve to win this game. That's just not true. You know, yeah, once you're in that's the not, NFC yeah, that's not how it works. Right. The the Cowboys game, sure, I'll say the Lions deserve to win that game. We know what should have happened. 
but this was a clean game as far as you know refing goes this was an overall even match between the two teams the optimist lions fan in me says the lions were if you want to be aggressive about your estimate one play if you want to be conservative about your estimate they were three maybe four plays away from winning this game yeah you know it took an undrafted free agent like second or third year corner having a dropped interception bouncing off his face mask into the hands of Brandon Ayuk at the one yard line it took a Jameer Gibbs fumble it took it took a fourth down drop it took another third down drop yeah it took all of these things for the 49ers to win by three. Totally. The Lions had a 91.5% win probability in the third quarter. That, yeah. It, I mean, I, I can't even, it's got to be so frustrating as a fan because it it's not like you had a shot. It was overwhelmingly looking like the Lions were going to win it. This thought dawned on me today, and you were probably a younger teen when this happened. And, you know, hindsight came out with Bounty Gate and everything after the fact. But mm-hmm. in the moment, mm-hmm. I imagine this loss feels pretty darn similar to how Vikings fans in 2009 felt. Like, you were good enough to win this game. Yep. Your team was good enough, and you were in it, and it was close, and you made the plays. Yep. You very much could be in the Super Bowl and could win the Super Bowl. You have the talent and the coaching and everything. Yeah. No, it's... It, there is some of that where you, it, it's just this forever what could have been wondering. And you don't gain anything by spending a lot of time wondering those things. Right. But you look at the roster. You look how the season went. You look how players played. That you know 2009 Vikings team, Brett Favre had statistically one of the best seasons of his entire career. Right. And that offense was good enough to win a Super Bowl. Absolutely. The 2017 Vikings had a similar feel where they were just, their defense in particular, was good enough to win and just got slaughtered by the Eagles. Yeah, I think that's different, though. We Going into that game, everyone knew the Eagles were a better team. That's true. The Eagles were the favorite. That's true. The Eagles were favored, and the Vikings were favored over the Saints. I don't know if officially, but at least the general feeling was... Right. This team is better. This team could definitely get this done. And that was, I think, the sense. Right. We thought the Niners were good all year this year. Yes. The last couple of weeks, the Niners have not looked great. We're going into a Super Bowl with the 49ers and the Chiefs. The Niners were down by 17 points at one point in this game. The Chiefs did not score in the second half. Like These are not unbeatable teams that made it to the end. No, these are not Mount Rushmore of football-like teams. These are not going to go down as a, a top-10 team all the time. Right. It's not It's not your 72 Dolphins. It's not your 85 Bears. It's not your, well, I was going to say your Patriots of the 07, but uh, Eli. They lost. Eli took care <laughs> so. of that. Yeah, it's, neither of these teams is an all-time great team. No, and uh, the the fan in me thinks that if the Lions would have won the Super Bowl, then we would talk about them in that because it's like, holy crap, you know, the Lions won a Super Bowl? Like, mm-hmm. man. And 
it would have likely been over Patrick Mahomes. Like, oh my gosh, we're talking about the Detroit Lions of all teams. Oh yeah. And we'll ne- we'll never know. And obviously the Lions choked in the third quarter, which it even if several pieces of that choking in the third quarter were dumb luck, statistically improbable plays in favor of the 49ers, which has some level of truth to it. Not entirely, but a little. Yeah. Ben Johnson and the Lions offense has struggled all year in the third quarter. It's the only quarter that they have a negative point differential and it's negative by kind of a lot, which Tuesday, the news broke out that Ben Johnson has decided to stay with the Detroit lions heading back into the 2024 season. Job's not done. The, job's not done. Um, which is the biggest storyline of the week outside of the two crumblings of, you know, the lions and the Ravens. Mm-hmm. So third biggest of the week. I think that the fact that he's so bad in the third quarter is a large part of why he's deciding to come back is I think that he's saying, I've got a little bit more work to do if I want to have long-term success as a head coach. Maybe, yeah. I also think some people, and completely speculating here, but I think some people just genuinely don't want to be in charge. They don't want to be the guy. And that's that's totally maybe. fine. Yeah, yeah. I think that maybe has truth to it. I Reports say that he still wants to be a head coach someday, yeah, because yeah, look at the paycheck. Look at the paycheck. <laughs> if if I'm guessing, he's going to be made the highest paid coordinator on either side of the ball in the next 24 hours, if he's not already. Certainly possible. And for us, your average fan sitting here talking about it, the difference between 2 or $3 million a year and 7 or $8 million a year is drastic. But if you have yeah. millions of dollars in the bank, maybe it doesn't feel so drastic, you know? Yeah, I think that's totally it. I think that – so he's been mentored by Dan Campbell for a majority of his career so far. Even going back to when Dan Campbell was the interim head coach for the Dolphins, he's been on his staff this whole time. And since Dan Campbell left the Dolphins, he joined the Saints, and he was mentored by Sean Payton for his entire career there. Dan turned down interview requests and pulled his name out of other, you know, coaching cycles, waiting for the right position. And when he eventually landed the Lions gig, he said, this is the only job I want. He refused to take any other interviews. He called his agent and said, if I'm not the head coach in Detroit, I don't want to be the head coach anywhere. If I had to guess, he's installed a little bit of that in Ben Johnson to say, Pick the job that is legitimately the best mm-hmm. that you're going to absolutely succeed in the most and become a mega millionaire there while doing it for hopefully 10 or 20 years. Right. And in a city that you want to live in, like think about, you know, some of the other ancillary pieces of those decisions. Yeah. Where do you, do you want to go live in DC? Do you want to go live in Seattle? Do you want to stay in the Midwest? Do you want to go down South? If those are factors yeah. too, they are certainly not deal breakers generally. Right. But, hey, he appears happy in Detroit, and the Lions certainly have reason to believe that another deep playoff run is possible next year, year after. That. Building experience will help them. They will be a, They should be a better team next year. And that's the part that I think frustrates me the most, is that I am 
almost positive that Detroit fans in 1991 were thinking the same thing that you just said. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I, I almost guarantee it. Or, you know, even we mentioned the 2009 Vikings or the 2017 Vikings. We said they're a quarterback away. Yeah, we, we certainly did. And, you know, Case Keenum leaves, income Kirk's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a fringe top 10 guy. Yep. They weren't a quarterback away. They haven't even gotten close to that far since no, then. No, that, that that was the peak. Do I think the Lions are going to continue to make playoff runs? Yes. I think that they're a very young roster that is very, very talented with mm-hmm. a good head coach. But a lot of people talk about, oh, they were playing with house money. I think house money is gone the minute that you win your first playoff game. It's now do or die. You got to make it this year because you have no idea the next time you're going to make it this far. Yep, put up or shut up. I agree. Now, if we shift our focus, let's look ahead a little bit. Super Bowl matchup. Before we actually pick it, Patrick Mahomes now has 17 playoff games under his belt. That's a season. He has one full season of football in the playoffs. He is his quote-unquote playoff season. He has a 67.4% completion percentage. 4,800 yards, 39 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. His MVP stats from 2022, 67% completion percentage, 5,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He is basically playing at MVP level in every playoff game of his career. And granted, that's from his 2022 MVP season, so just last year. Mm Mm-hmm. But, man, how many people thought that they were going to fall off a couple years ago when Tyreek Hill got traded to the Dolphins? Turns out Tyreek wasn't the most important piece of that offense. I mean, he he helped. They oh, he helped, pretty sure. Much ran away. You know, they it was one of the most dominant seasons of all time for Patrick in his first MVP. Um, they didn't win it that year, but they did win it the following year. Patrick Mahomes is probably already on the Mount Rushmore of all-time players. Okay, so that's that's my question. If he wins this ring, he is already tied with Peyton Manning for playoff wins. Peyton Manning in his career went 14 and 13 in the playoffs. Mahomes is 14 and 3. If Mahomes and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, does he leapfrog Peyton? Is he automatically a top 3 all-time quarterback? The part that hurts for that is Peyton Manning has, I think, seven MVPs. I think five. I thought he had one more than Aaron, and Aaron has six. Uh, Peyton has five. Aaron has four. Brady has three. Got it. Got it. So Yeah, five MVPs is a ton. He's got five MVPs. Mahomes has two already. Mahomes has two. Already. But I think when we're talking... Goat player status. That's an individual award. You can't help the team. Interesting. Around. Okay. I mean, you can okay. help the team around you, but like you're only given so much. Okay. Peyton Manning was not given Travis Kelsey. Peyton Manning was not given Andy Reid. Peyton Manning was cut from his team because he suffered a maybe career ending neck injury. Shout out to Experimental Science. Patrick Mahomes is given a Netflix special. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Mahomes was inserted into a 
very built for success situation. Andy Reid is a huge, huge piece of that. But Tyree Kill was part of that offense. Travis Kelsey has been there the entire time and is maybe the greatest tight end of all time. Certainly top three. I don't think there's an argument that Kelsey is outside the top three. No. I think, frankly, win or lose, I think Mahomes is probably top five all-time quarterback. I, I've got him at number four at worst now. I've got him behind Brady, Montana, and Payton. I'm not – I don't hate that. And if he wins, I don't think it's a conversation anymore. I think if he wins this Super Bowl, Mahomes already is a top four, maybe top three. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm behind that for sure. Because, you know, we already compared his MVPs to Peyton Manning, who Peyton Manning has the most of all time mm-hmm. and obviously played more than a decade decade longer than what Mahomes has done so far. Yeah. Well, let's compare him to Tom. Tom is pretty much the bona fide GOAT by now. Most people don't dispute that, and if they do, they can argue with a wall. But let's talk about their first six years through the league as a starter. Mm. Mahomes is 72 and 22. Tom Brady, 70 and 24. Real similar. Patrick has two more games on him, but pretty darn close. Okay, let's talk about in the playoffs. Pat Mahomes, 14 and 3. Tom Brady, 12 and 2. He's got two more wins on him and is maybe going to have more rings on him. He does have more appearances on him. He does. And I think the most telling, because that's through their first six seasons. Yeah. Tom Brady was not the best player on his team for those first couple Super Bowls. Right. Brady became. Arguably the best player in the league, best player in history, but certainly the best player on the Patriots. He was the yes crucial piece for the Patriots going forward. Mahomes has been the best player on the Chiefs roster since his first season. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's it goes to show in the next couple of stats is we point to Tom in his first six seasons, 167 touchdowns, 87 interceptions. That's a good line. You're you're basically going two to one. Yeah. That's pretty decent, especially for your first couple years as starters. Yep. As a rookie, a lot of people, you know, have a negative interception ratio. Pat Mahomes, 258 touchdowns, 69 interceptions. Oh, okay. As individuals, you know, we talked about the team a little bit. We can't really fault Peyton for not having as good of teams as guys like Tom and Mahomes thus far. Like you just mentioned, Mahomes is the cog. Those first couple seasons, Tom wasn't. He ended up that way. You're absolutely right. It's not even a debate. Right. But Mahomes and his quarterback rating, 103.7 compared to Tom's 88.4. There it is. That's the difference. Mahomes is on pace to be better than Tom Brady. There's the biggest asterisk in the whole world. He's got to do it. I know. He has to follow through. Because Brady... Played for a long time. Brady was good yes. basically the entire time. You can break Brady's stats into what he did in his 20s, in his 30s, and his 40s. All three decades of his football playing would be a Hall of Fame resume. Right. Basically untouchable. Mahomes is by far the closest to catching him. Oh, yeah. By by a mile. It's like, it's not even close. It's... He has to pull it off, like you said. He has to follow through. You have to actually do it. He's on pace to do it and do it easily. Yep. He has to keep up the pace. Yeah, because, I I mean, hypothetically, if Mahomes retired after this season, win or lose, he's not the greatest of all time. He's probably not top two. 
Right. What if he wins two more rings? What if he gets another MVP? Then what? Then it becomes actively a conversation. It's going to be really, really interesting to watch his career. But officially, the Super Bowl, it is 2020. Chiefs, Niners, no, 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 no. It's 2024. Same thing? Running it back? I don't quite. You and I had the same Super Bowl prediction preseason, and it was this matchup. Yeah, no, we, we both said. We saw it coming. And we've never agreed before. It's true. We we do Super Bowl predictions before every single season. We've combined to get one correct in our last like decade of friendship, and that was I had the Seahawks over the Broncos. That was That's the only one we've ever gotten right between the two yeah. of us. And it was a long time ago. A long time ago. (laughs) And we both picked this one in preseason. And we both picked Chiefs over Niners, if I remember correct. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll triple our correct total overnight. In one game. We've talked about Mahomes. We've talked about the Lions choking. We've talked about the Ravens choking. Brock Purdy, the slander is, like, gone. Even if he has a bad start to a game... He's officially considered clutch. That's fair. And say whatever you want. The Niners deciding we're going to ride with this guy. Purdy is our starting quarterback. It was the right move. They trade Definitively. They traded, I think it was three first-round picks to move up and get Trey Lance. Yeah. And when they really looked at it, they said, you know what? We got it wrong. Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft, is the right fit for this team right now with this coaching staff. Forget what he can or can't do based on scouting reports. We know he can do what we need him to do to get us to the Super Bowl. And they were right. They were absolutely right. And not only were they right, they maybe could have been right twice over. You know, he's he's undefeated in playoff games that he's both started and finished. They lost the NFC Championship last year because he became physically incapable of throwing a pass. And he still came back in and finished the game kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Handed the ball off a million times. Because he tore, As tore his elbow string in half. quarterback. Right. Yeah. But this guy, he's got that dog in him. Got a little dog in him. We also have a couple dogs in one of the greatest tight end matchups we'll ever get to watch with Kittle and Kelsey on opposite sides. It could be a tight end heavy Super Bowl. I think what we thought was the decline of Travis Kelsey at the end of the season might be overblown. He's looked really, really good in this playoff stretch when they needed him. Just save it all for when it matters most, Hey, I guess. That's the experience coming through. Yeah, yeah, something can certainly be said about that. And this is the Super Bowl. There's no saving it. There is no next week. There's no next week. Time is now. So we'll see. There are some fun storylines. Christian McCaffrey, his dad, Ed, won a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers back in the day. He also had Mike Shanahan, current head coach Kyle Shanahan's dad, on staff. So it's there's a fun storyline there for the McCaffrey family and for the Niners and for lifelong Niners fans. We'll have, I'm sure, tons of media coverage of the future greatest of all time quarterback Patrick Mahomes going up against Mr. Irrelevant who has been doubted all season long and just the dichotomy there and we'll probably hear a little bit about Taylor Swift at some point probably 
for those of you who think that she's not making it to this game, get out from living under a rock. She led the world, the planet, and the most amount of emissions in 2022 and 2023. You think she cares at all about hopping on a jet to make it to her boyfriend's game? I don't think so. I don't think so. And just to give you the little bit of recap, we know you're here for football, but that's what everybody's tuning into the broadcast for, and Taylor takes up 25-ish seconds of the football games. She has the closing concert for her Eras Tour in Tokyo on Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl. Tokyo's 17 hours ahead on the world clock, and it's only a 13-hour flight. She'll be back in Las Vegas on Saturday, local time, no problem. She's certainly going to be there. I would be actively shocked if she wasn't. But one underrated storyline. This is going to be Kyle Shanahan's, I think, his third Super Bowl appearance, including the one with the Falcons. Mm. Yet to win one. Well, do you think he gets it? Official picks. Official picks. I don't pick against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Unless he was playing the Detroit Lions. But then it's your pick. That's picking with your heart. Yeah, so true. <laughs> the, the Niners are the better team. The Niners probably have more players in the top 10 overall on that field. But the number one player on that field is Patrick Mahomes. And when everything is on the line, all the chips in the middle of the table, I'm with you. I don't, I'm not betting against Mahomes. He officially gets the Brady treatment. Yep. Uh, yeah. Chiefs 24, Niners 18. I'm going to take a little bit higher scoring. I'm going to say let's go 31-21. So there it is. The preseason picks come in full circle, and we're sticking with it ultimately. Mahomes and the Chiefs solidify the dynasty that we all already know is there. Yeah, they are looking to add some to their jewelry collection. They're going to need a bigger box. Yeah, yeah, they are. But with that, it looks like office hours are officially closed on championship weekend. You'll still hear from us next week, but after that, we got Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks for hanging. Share it with your friends. Share it with your mom. We're out. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.